Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Did you bring your Bibles? All right, let's get in the Word this morning. Make your declaration with us. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you desire to do in it. Thank you, Father. You have begun the work, and you're going to complete it for your glory. In Jesus' name, somebody said? Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to Philippians chapter 3. Amen. <clears throat> and uh, I just want to encourage you again um, and especially in this day and the hour, uh, I love technology. I love using all the assets and availability of everything that's out there. But uh, I want to encourage you to uh, get a, a, a good old Bible. By old Bible, I mean one tra- uh, published before 1985, uh, somewhere in there. Uh, whether you read King James, New King James, whatever you read, get one published before there. What's happening right now on most of all the Bible apps is there's real subtle changes being made to the translations of the Bible on your apps. Even when I read the New King James on my Bible app, it's different than the one I hold in my hand here. So they're making changes. I don't know who's making the changes. I don't know why they're making the changes, but they're making alterations to the Word. And uh, so there's convenience in technology, Technology can be convenient. You can have that asset. I can take it with me. I mean, this is a a whole Bible's cumbersome. Amen. And I teach people all the time if it's too heavy to carry, we'll give you a free week membership to the Lord's Gym. And in a week, in one week, we could have you strong enough to carry your Bible again. Amen. But uh, with that, but the great thing about this Bible is I never have to plug it in. I never have to charge it. I plug into it, and it charges me. Amen. And the one thing I like about my Bible, there's something I can do in here that I can't do on my phone. I I can record my conversations with God. As I'm reading His Word, and He's speaking to me, my highlights, my notes, I write that down in there, and I have a record. I've been preaching out of this Bible since 1989. And uh, it just so, th- th- this is something so special. I've had a bazillion phones. I had the first bag phone that came out. I remember the bag phone. We had the bag phone. It was so funny. We were coming to church one Sunday morning. We had a van then back in the day. So we had this van. We had the magnetic antenna that you put out on the window. You do all that stuff. So I decided we need to go through the car wash on the way to church. So as we're getting into the car wash, I'm trying to get the antenna out of bed. I was about to go through all the whirly things going around like that. And Sister Hope Mullen was with us back then. We're riding in, and all the kids are in the car, and Sue's on the other side. So I'm tr- I got the window down, and I grab it, and I'm trying to roll my window up. But I push her windows down, so the jets start blasting. So she's getting blasted in the face and stuff like that. It was awesome on our way to church. It was awesome. So we've been doing all that, but... You know what, in spite of all that, but I've only had one Bible all that time and doing all that. And so you find out that those transitions are there, but get the word and let God. There's something that happened when you go back and say, man, I remember that time when God spoke to me and I made that note. So I, I record the times that he's spoken to me when I've been in his word. Amen. And so it's just so cool to see those footprints of you walking with God. Philippians chapter 3, I want to read this whole verse because we're talking about the rebellion and rebelling for intimacy with God. 
And what I mean by that is, is rebelling against anything that comes between you and your relationship with God. Before I stand up to speak to others or to deal with things outside, I have to deal with things inside first. God always makes me deal with me before he sends me to help somebody else. Can you say amen? So it's so important that what we allow God to do in us so that he can work through us. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to read a couple passages, but I want you to keep in mind what Paul is saying. And this morning we're going to talk a little bit about losing your individuality. Losing your individuality. And allowing God to transform your personality and conform it to the character of his nature. So watch this. Finally, my brethren, I rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. So Paul's talking about the Judaizers here and those who are trying to get Christians to conform to Jewish tradition. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in what? The flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more. Or another, Paul says, if you think you're something... I got you topped. Amen. And we start talking about the flesh. So look what he said. Verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But watch this. But what things were gained to me, these things I have what? Counted loss for Christ. Those things that gave me my individual identity. Those things that I could claim as a resume and credentials of who I am as an individual. My accomplishment. Those things mean nothing to me. I'm willing. I've chosen to lose all of that so that I might gain Christ. He is worth more than me. Are you doing okay? So watch it. But verse 8. But indeed I also count all things lost, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having what? My own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may what? Know him and the power of what? His resurrection and the fellowship of what? His suffering being conformed to what? His death. So Paul is declaring he's taking everything off of the eye of individual and putting it on Christ. That his identity now is only who he is in Christ, not who he is as an individual. Watch it. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. Excuse me. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of suffering being conformed to his death. If by any means I might attain to what? The resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. If you're here today and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you've accepted him as your savior, there's a reason out of all of humanity 
out of the over 7 billion people on planet earth right now today, there's a reason God has redeemed your life. Paul says, I understand that I've been redeemed out of this world and brought into this fellowship with God, made acceptable by him through Christ, and I want to know why. I'm living to discover the why of my redemption. Amen? Amen. So look what he said. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count what? Myself to have apprehended, but one, but one thing. Somebody say one thing. one thing. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the heavenward upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God reveal even, will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Being of the same mind means walking in unity, walking in agreement, walking as one together. God is out to make us one. Are you doing all right? Make us one and coming together. And in order for that to happen, some of our individuality has to go away. Actually, all of it has to go away. Verse 17, brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have us for a pattern, who so walk. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is where? In heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to what? His glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue things, to subdue all things to who? To himself. So Christ is the central one. Are you doing all right? It's all about him. And when we find our identity completely in him. Go with me back, turn left to Ephesians chapter 4, just a couple pages. Ephesians 4. Beginning in verse 11, actually just go back uh, to verse uh, 7. For to each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Everybody look up here just for a minute. What that means, when God gives gifts to men, it means he makes you a gift to people. He doesn't give you a gift for yourself. He puts something in you that makes you a gift to men. And so God works in that. That's why it says even when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to every person, every person to profit with all. It's given to you for them. And when it comes to ministry gifts here that Paul's talking about, it says that he puts a gifting Inside of people that makes you a gift to people. That he works through you. Are you doing all right? Okay, so go with me. Verse 12. For, uh, verse 11. Well, no, he got, I, I got ahead of my Verse 9. Now, now this he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into lower parts of the earth? He who had descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heaven that he might fill all things. 
And he himself, somebody say himself. So Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So what's the purpose of? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of what? For the edifying of what? So the, the body of Christ is one entity. It's one entity. It's not many entities. The, the body is one entity. Keep that in mind. Till we all come to what? The unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect what? Not perfect men, not multiple, one. Just keep in mind one. Everything keeps coming back down to just one, singular. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of who? cry that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into what into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole what now what from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what Every joint supplies. So every, if you would, th there's a difference between personality, I'll give it to you in a minute, personality and individuality. If I'm going to be an individual Christian, it will be hard for me to be joined together with others. I will always be up against being joined together. Because my individuality doesn't agree with that. It's all about me. It cannot be about you. And until God helps me and takes care of me and takes care of my, then I really can't be bothered with you because of my individuality. Stay with me. So watch what he says. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what? Every joint supply according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So everything about that was about the body of Christ. Are you doing all right? Not so, but, but in that, God, God takes us as individuals and he takes away the identity of our individuality and gives us a unified purpose of one body in him. We are one in Christ. We're to be one body in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you doing okay? Everything God does is one. Think about this. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, not faiths. There's not all kinds of faiths. So you hear a lot in our culture, it'll say, go, go, go over to your house of worship, whatever faith you are of. Well, there's only one faith. Right. Jesus breaks it down like this. He, look, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those are all singular statements. They're not multiple statements. There's only one truth, there's only one way, and there's only one life. Everything God does is one. Are you doing all right? Even we talked about it uh, yesterday morning at breakfast with the men, even with God in the garden. God said, let us go down and make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. We know when it speaks of us speaking there, it speaks of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that's the Trinity, and these three are, they're not three individuals, they, they are one. Are you doing all right? 
They are all one. So everything God does is one. Everything the devil does is to bring you into division. And the devil wants individuals. He doesn't want unified personalities. Are you doing okay? All right. So look at your outline if you, if you would with me. God is after a relationship with us that has nothing in between us. God wants a relationship with you that has nothing between you and him. He wants you to know him intimately with nothing between. Amen. When a husband and wife are being intimate together, you don't invite the neighbors into the room. That's weird. Doing all right? I mean, know what I mean? No, because that's, 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 that's intimacy between two. That's two Becoming one, being joined and knit together. Are you doing all right? So in that. But but see, what happens in our life together is that we want to be intimate with God, but we usually have somebody else in the room all the time. We have something else going on, too many other things going on. And then we well, how come I can't hear God's voice? And God just says, hey, you got way too many people in here. Way too many things, way too many thoughts, way too many desires, way too much stuff for us to be one. Are you doing all right? So what? So God is after a relationship with us that has nothing in between us. And we must desire to rebel against anything that comes between us and our relationship with God. You have to be at a place where you refuse to let anything come between. In order for your marriage to work, you have to refuse to let anything become between you and your spouse. Every time there is a divorce, a divorce is division. And division means something has come between. Something became greater than the intimacy of one you had. Something became more important than preserving your oneness that you committed to with your spouse. The devil is the master of the divide. He's the master that comes to bring things in between. Jesus rebelled against the self-life of humanity to redeem us back into a unified life with God. What Paul declared is, I'm done with myself. I'm done with my self-life. I'm just going to live for God and only for Him. If there's even a trace of individual self-satisfaction left in us, it always says, I can't surrender. I can't be free. Jesus didn't ask you to get yourself free. He asked you to let him set you free. And so the way that I do that is I have to give up myself, die to myself, and turn my life over to him. I like what Oswald Chambers says here. He says, our spirit hungers for more and more. It's the way we are built. We are designed with the great capacity for God. Every one of us is designed with this amazing capacity for God that we could be filled with his fullness. And if I'm not walking in his fullness, if I'm not receiving that, then I've allowed something to come between us. There's something else that is filling that area up. Amen? And so that, that has to go out so his fullness can come in. So what's it? We have that capacity for God to hunger and thirst for him, to be filled with the spirit, to desire, seek, and knock and pursue the things of God. But sin, our own individuality, and wrong thinking keep us from getting to him. Hear me this morning. God delivers us from sin, but we have to deliver ourselves from our individuality. You're free from sin. Jesus has set you free. Paul said it like this. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. 
for raised in Christ, then sin no longer has that authority. I'm delivered from that. But I'm not delivered from my own individuality. i got to put that dude to death myself. Amen. And part of us is, is we want God to do for us what we're supposed to do for ourselves. And God will never do your job for you. Are you doing okay? So watch this. This means offering our natural life to God and sacrificing it to Him so He may transform it into spiritual life through our obedience. So God transforms us when we say yes. 1973, when I was a heroin addict, I looked in the mirror and I wasn't saved. I just looked in the mirror and what I saw, what I said to myself when I saw my reflection in the mirror I said to myself, you were made for better than this. And I took a step of rebellion against what I saw myself as. Are you doing okay? And so, but, but the Bible says now that, that, that we're supposed to see ourselves, the reflection of ourselves, and be honest with that. James says that, that if I look in the mirror and I don't remember what I saw, then I deceive myself. So when it comes to seeing myself, but then I have to look in there and say, hey, what, what I'm seeing right now, my individuality is not what I was created to be. You were created as a child of God. You were created to be filled with his fullness, reflect his nature, his character, to abound in all things in him. Amen. And so if I have bondage and things that are in my life, then, then there has to be something that rises up against that. I have to see myself honestly and then act accordingly and take a stand against that. Think about it. He, we deliver ourselves. We turn our life over. God pays no attention to our natural individuality in the development of our spiritual life. God doesn't care really a whole lot about your individuality. He didn't come to make you a better individual. He came to make you a part of who he is. Heaven isn't full of a bunch of individual Christians. It's full of every person in Christ. We are being redeemed to the Father in Him. I know this is counterculture to American Christianity, but praise the Lord, you will survive. Amen. His plan, Oswald Chambers says it like this, His plan runs straight through our natural life. In other words, God has no problem running over your old man. Amen. Most of it, we're supposed to be roadkill. <laughs> Most of us trying to resuscitate that dude. Amen. So, uh, we must see to it that we aid and assist God and not stand against him by saying, I can't do that. The moment I say I can't, I'm holding on to my individuality. I'm giving my excuse, myself an excuse not to change. Look inside your outline with me. Are you with me this morning? Yes, sir. Oswald Chambers says this too. He says, I will not, God will not discipline us. We must discipline ourselves. I shared the story a while back of a, we were pastoring Bieber. We prayed for a lady. The Spirit of God was moving. I just felt like we were going to break the spirit of addiction that morning. Prayed for several people. And uh, this lady came up, wanted to quit smoking. Prayed for her, the power of God hit her, laid her out on the floor, she got up, and for three days, she had no desire to smoke. But on the fourth day, she decided to test God. 
because her desire to smoke was her greater than her desire to be free. See, if you love sin more than you love God, you'll put God to the test to see if he's really delivered you of your sin or of your bondage, whatever it is. You doing okay? And so she actually, her husband still kept smoking, so she actually reached into an ashtray and put, put, pulled out an old butt laying in the ashtray. That's, that's tough. So I reached in there, pick up a butt, and then light it, because she said this what she said. She said, I, I had heard of people that God set free, and then the next time they smoked, they got sick. So she picked that thing up, smoked the rest of that butt, enjoyed it, didn't get sick. And so then she came to me and said, Pastor, I thought God delivered me, but he did it because I smoked and I didn't get sick. And I said, well, you forgot the scripture says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Because God doesn't prove himself to you. God, God, God doesn't have to prove himself to you. God just declares, I am. He doesn't say, I prove who I am. He just says, I am. And wisdom says, I agree. <laughs> you are. <laughs> and that settles everything. You am, I'm not. He am, I'm not. Amen. And so just leave it right there and walk with God. So he doesn't discipline. We have to discipline ourselves. So she was wanting God to make her stop. She was wanting God to discipline herself instead of her taking the victory that God had given her for three days. And then testing him with it. God will not bring our arguments and every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We must do it. Don't say, oh Lord, I suffer from wrong thoughts. Don't suffer from wandering thoughts. Quit thinking those thoughts. Stop listening. This is so powerful. Stop listening to the tyranny of your individual natural life. And you will win the freedom into the spiritual life. Don't listen to the voice of yourself. There will always be three voices that you hear. God's voice, the devil's voice, and your voice right in the middle. And you have to choose who you're going to align your voice with. Because the moment you speak, you validate one of the other two voices. Amen. You come into agreement with either the voice of the word of God, God's word in your life, or what the devil is speaking in your life. One speaks for life, one speaks for death. And then you speak with the one you agree with. Amen. Doing all right? We all fight this battle. We must choose to rebel against the things that seek to enter in, to come in between our spiritual relationship with our Heavenly Father. The heart of God has always been for us to have His heart, to be one with Him. Nothing between our heart and His. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Everything is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. You've been reconciled to God. You're being brought into Him. So watch it. Our identity is in him, not in ourselves. Individuality wants our own identity. True spirituality identifies ourselves in him. He has reconciled all things to himself through Christ. And watch this. And had given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world where? To himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the message of recon- the, committed the message of reconciliation to us. So God's given us a ministry, and He's given us a message, and that ministry and that message is for you to be reconciled to job. God, I have one job as a pastor. That's to get you to God with nothing in between. 
to lead you to a life and a walk with God that has nothing in between. Hallelujah. You were created to be one with God. In the garden, Satan used the offer of individuality to tempt Adam and Eve. The temptation wasn't the apple. The temptation wasn't fruit that looked so yummy and scrumptious that they just couldn't help but eat it. That looks so, I, I have to have that fruit. No, the temptation was you, you will be like God. You will finally have an individual identity. I am like God. Amazing thought. With their fall, man became an individual, separated from God. What happened? God drove them out of the garden, and he put an angel there and separated them from his presence. Because God does not cohabitate with individuals. God is not into cohabitation and I don't care what the culture of our world is God does not cohabitate cohabitation is a non-commitment we cohabitate because we don't want to make the full commitment of union I never get amens on that one To what? Through Christ, we are redeemed from our individuality and reconciled back to God. Man became an individual, but Christ has redeemed us back into union in Him. So watch. If any man beware in Christ, he's a new creation. And God is in Christ. And the purpose of reconciling us to himself, to be made one with him. Listen to the definition of individuality. The state or quality of being individual. Existence as a distinct individual. The interests of the individual as distinguished from the interests of the community. I'm sure you like this in marriage. When two people try to have a relationship but their interests are distinctly individual and are not for the common good of the community, they will not last long together. But what about personality? Personality is the quality of being a person. Existence as a self-conscious human being, personal identity, the essential character of a person. This is what God asked. He asked for you to die as an individual so he can transform your character to be one with his. But until the individual dies, my character cannot be changed. My God works on my personality. He works on my inner man. He's changing me inside. The fruit of the Spirit changes the character and the nature of my personality. Amen. And I no longer desire to be recognized as an individual because my identity is now only in him. I just want to be known as one in him. Are you doing okay? 
Hallelujah. Some of you looking at me like a cow at a new gate. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. So here, the heart of God is always to unite us as one. Hear this this morning. See, I, I lo- the, the Bible, when Paul tells us that, look at what it says. The thoughts and the imagination of our heart, things that are going wrong. And so always those thoughts always stem to individuality. It's really hard. We fight against coming together and being one together. And the devil is always trying to sow and divide between. We shared it last week. Out of the sower sows the word. Then it says, then the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Watch this. Entering in. Entering in. Choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So what was once productive and growing and fruitful and bountiful has now had things enter in between. And now it's non-productive. And the devil is out for that purpose and goal. That's his goal, is to separate and come between. So the heart of God is always to unite as one. The ploy of the devil is always to divide, to separate. The devil wins when our individuality takes over. God wins when we allow his spirit to transform our personality to be one with him. Amen. 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 So I, I, I get to go by the wayside. Amen. There, there, there's an old saying about working together. And it's amazing how much can get done when nobody cares who gets the credit for it. Amen? It's amazing how much people can accomplish together when nobody cares who gets the credit for it. Now, please don't get mad. I'm just trying to love you this morning. <laughs> Over the years, you've heard people in church say, well, the, I, the, I, I, I just don't feel any love there. Well, I served there and nobody ever said thank you. Well, if, if you do anything for the thank you, that's your reward. When you get that, that's your harvest. I want a bigger harvest than thank you. J- Jesus says when you do your deeds... When your alms and your charitable acts, when you're kind, when you do it, do all things as unto the Lord. And even do it in a way that nobody actually really knows you're doing or finds out you're doing. And then it says that your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. How many know the father's open reward is always better than somebody's thank you? Now, that doesn't mean we don't say thank you. But what I'm saying is, is that if I'm getting upset by the way people are treating me... I'm more focused on my individuality than having my character transformed in my personality by him. Are you doing all right? So how do you keep yourself from being offended? What are most offenses about? When people get offended, what are they offended about? How somebody else treated them. So you get to a place where I just refuse not to be offended. Not being offended doesn't mean you don't get upset. Not being offended means you don't take it personal. Because you'll find if you watch people, you're usually not the issue. There's usually another issue. You're just in the way. And if somebody else was in the way, they'd have received what you received. So it wasn't about you. There's a whole other issue going on. Are we okay this morning? All right. So watch this. So the devil is out to do that. But listen, there can only be one individual. Our individual life must be put to death. So our personality can be conformed to the image of Christ. There can only be one individual, Jesus Christ. And we must choose to die to be in him. There can only be one individual. And that's Christ. Listen to what Paul says. I put it in your outline. Galatians 2. 
For through the law I have died to the law, so that I might live how? For God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Now what? The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Jesus gave up his individuality as the Son of Man to give his life for you and me. Amen? So that we could be reconciled to the Father through him. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, Therefore, do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under, uh, under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So Paul says, this is what I have to do. This is not a one-time thing. I don't just get to declare this one and then walk it out. He says, I'm daily training. I'm pressing for the prize. We read it in Philippians. I'm pressing for the prize of that upward call. So what I have to do, I have to daily discipline myself. I have to keep the eye of my individuality under control. Because that old person always wants to rise up. And the devil, that's who the devil always talks to. He wants that guy to be resurrected. And get up there and, and go back to his place of control. He doesn't want you operating out of a transformed character and nature in God. Luke 22, verses 41 and 43, it talks about Jesus. Now why? Then when he withdrew in his prayer in the garden, about a stone's throw away, he knelt down and began to pray, Father, if you are willing, take this what? Cup from me. Nevertheless, not what? My will but yours be done. So that, that character, Jesus wrestling, that same area we wrestle with. Hebrews says that he was tempted and suffered in all ways, even as we do. He had to deal with his own individuality. He couldn't just be him for him. He was here for us. Amen. And something happened when we allow that to happen in us. Matthew 7, Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But what? But only the one who does what? The will of my Father in heaven. So watch this. There's only one man, but there's only one will. There's only one will that gets recognized by God. There's only one will. And you just, we, we give ourselves to the will of God. We live for his will. Individuality doesn't get to have a will. I don't get to have a will. This is, everything about the culture you live in is contrary to the word of God. Everything about this world is contrary to the word of God. you, You have to become dead to the world and alive to Christ. And what I'm saying is then what the Lord, the main reason the Lord put this on, because as I was meditating and praying this through, we keep praying for revival in the church. But we're too conformed to the world to have revival. We have too many individuals to be one body in unity of faith. Are you doing all right? And so until there's that individual rebellion with us, until we have a rebellion, we can never have a revival. Amen. 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 So watch what Paul says here. I mean, Jesus says, but only the one who does the will of my father. Now watch this. This is crazy. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we, what? Prophesy in your your name? 
drive out demons in your name, do many miracles in your name, and then we make sure that we took the credit for it all. Didn't we promote our ministry in your name? This is, this is crazy. And Jesus says, then I will announce to them, I don't know you. None of that stuff got any recognition. All the stuff we're empowered to do, equipped and sent to do, if I do it as an individual, in his name, according to my will, what I think would be a good thing to do for him, I hope I make one friend after service today. I need some guys to help me bring some stuff down. We want to decorate after church. Amen. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. I put these parentheses in there. Watch. We were never one. We were never one. What you did was your heart to do for me. You never asked me what my heart was to do through you. That's the battle between individuality and personality. Before you come to Christ, you were born, you were born, I said it last week, the devil won his victory over humanity in the garden because he passed individuality onto humanity. God did not create man in the garden to have a species of individuals that he would try to interact with on all their own individual levels. That isn't what he does. He created us to be one with him. To be one with him. And I said it to you last week. We talked about it with the men Saturday at breakfast. When God created woman, he took man and he took something, took a rib out of man and made woman. Woman came from man for the purpose of being joined back together to become one again. And out of that union together, new life would be produced out of that union. Their identity would never be as two separate individuals. Look at all the individuality that's being spread in our nation today. We have the whole race issue. Now we have the whole COVID issue and vaccine. Are you vaccinated? Are you this? Are you that? Do you do? And so you're separate. everybody's being broken up into mass individual categories. Amen? And as long as we're individuals, there will always be division against us. We can never be one, and there will never be any power. The place of unity is the place of power, the place of agreement. Coming into agreement, coming together with God. This is the hard part. Individuality is where, and even this place, there, there's a thing where we, we I, I love the word, but I'm not too crazy about the altar. I love hearing the word preached. But I don't know if I want to respond and lay my life at an altar. But your life, you're the only one who can deal with your life before God. Yes, I said this to men the other day, even lately, just God's been doing with me, in leading somebody in the sinner's prayer. If I lead you in a prayer to Christ, your confidence will be in the prayer that I led you in. 
as of yet, you haven't given your life to Christ. Nobody can give your life to Christ for you. Nobody can pray your commitment to God for you. You have to, you, it's your life. You and I, I have to give my life to Christ. Listen to the Apostle Paul. I daily bring my body. He's going back. I'm giving my life. I live knowing it's my responsibility to give my life to Christ. I'm choosing to no longer take value in myself. I'm choosing to lay down my path. I'm choosing to press towards tomorrow. I'm doing this. And I'm the apostle of God. I'm called to be a Gentile. I've had visions from God. I spent three and a half years on the backside of the desert. I've seen things in heaven that I can't even tell you about, but I'm still daily dying to myself. Am I doing all right? And so, keeping that walk with God in order to be in unity with Him. So, Jesus says, depart from me, you lawbreakers. We were never one. What you desire, what you to do, is not what I asked you to do. John 17, Jesus prayed this. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their message. May they all be what? One. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be one where? In us, so the, so watch it. May they also be one. Just get this one. May they also be one in us. So the why? So the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them. You are in me. May they be made completely one. So the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them. As you have loved me. Man, what a powerful declaration. That's the last prayer that Jesus was praying over his disciples. Matthew 28, or let me get, from the day of his fall, from his created position, Satan has been in rebellion against God and anyone and everyone joined to him. Everybody look up here just for a moment. The moment you say yes to God, the devil is against you. He's in rebellion against anyone and everything connected to God you're no problem until you say yes to God because you're in his kingdom Colossians 1 13 we've been translated from out from out from under the powers of darkness into the kingdom of his son the devil's wars against God and his kingdom against his Christ and anybody who is in him all right so hear it again from the day of his fall of Satan's fall from his created position, he's been in rebellion against God and anyone and everyone joined to him. The devil knows he is doomed. His fate is sealed for him and his fallen angels with him and all demonic spirits. They all know there is an appointed time. How many remember the account of Jesus meeting the, the demon-possessed man at the tombs of Gadara? He come up and they begin to talk out. This is what they say to Jesus. They say, have you come to torment us before our time? So there's an appointed time of judgment. And that, that you read it, it's in the back of the book. But they recognize that God is in charge of the time. They go, we don't think it's time yet. We know there's a time coming. We, we think we have more time. So are, are you speeding up the clock? Because you're in charge of the time. So even devils are smart enough to submit their individuality <laughs> to God to get a few more days in a pig. Some of you get that later. So watch this. Isaiah 14, listen to it. Now what? Here's the introduction of individuality. 
How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. The devil said, I will exalt myself against God. God said, that's not how it works. Bye. Amen? And cast him down. So what happened? So what is that? That's, watch, watch. In heaven, there's no individuality. Are you getting this? The devil, the, the devil separated himself from his created position and made himself an individual exalted over the will of God in heaven. doesn't work that way. So he's cast down. So he says, oh, I know what sends people to hell. I know what got me cast out, and I know what will get them cast out. I will get them to choose to be an individual over God's will in their life. I will get them to choose to live by their own will. Because the day, and that's what he came in the garden, says, hey, in the day you eat it, you get to be you. You're no longer in him. You get to be you all on your own. Let me close with this. The guys will come back and worship him. So what does he do? He uses the same thing that got him cast out of heaven against death. He knows the things that God cannot allow and seeks to sow those seeds in between you and your heavenly father. The devil wants you in hell with him as a slap against God to tell God that he sent his son to die in vain. Every time we walk in our individuality, I believe the devil's saying to God, See there, your son died in vain. They still choose themselves over you. Jesus, you suffered in vain. Look, they are choosing themselves over you. They are choosing me over you. I said I will ascend. They are choosing to ascend in their own lives over submitting to you. And he slaps God in the face. Somebody say, but God. <laughs> but God has the last word concerning you, not the devil. His desire is for you to be with him and in him for all of eternity. And the power of his grace is greater than the schemes of the devil. Hear me this morning. God never gives up on us. He will keep working to renew and conform us to His image of His Son by the power of His Holy Spirit in us until we are truly one with Him. There's nothing the devil has in his bag of tricks that can stop it as long as we have a heart of a rebel in Christ to stand and resist Him. But you have to say, wait a minute. This is the hardest thing, guys, is us dying to ourselves. Paul says in Romans 12, 3, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, your life, as a living sacrifice to God, holy and, accept, holy and acceptable to Him, for this is your reasonable service, that I lay my life at His altar. I give my life to Him. And it's not that I prayed that prayer. You hear me say it all the time. I go back to the day I first made that decision. 
I remember the day, December 13, 1978, in the prayer room at New Life of That's the day I first put my life on the altar. But I choose daily to put it there. I've made it all these years because I made the commitment more than once. I daily choose to keep that commitment. October 20th, 1979, I looked into the eyes of my girlfriend, who's still a hot chick. <laughs> and I get to date her. And I said, hey, I'm here to give you my life for the rest of my life. And every day I choose to reaffirm that commitment. Because I don't want anything coming between me and her. Because our best life is when we are one. With nothing in between. And your best life with God is when you are one with him. But listen, the devil will tell you, hey, you prayed that prayer, you're saved. You are okay. You are okay. That pastor's just too radical. He thinks everybody ought to be spiritual. Yes, I do. I think everybody should have the fullness of God. The only thing in your way is you. Saying yes to God. Stand with me this morning. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. The Lord said that Paul wrote and said this. He who has begun a good work in you. Will keep working and complete it until the day of Christ. God's working in you and he's working for you. My only responsibility. He's given me the authority over my life. And now I have to willfully choose. Demonic spirits do not ask for your permission to control you. They look for an open door to come in and take over your life. God never moves in that way. He never looks for... He says, will you open the door? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears me and opens up... I will come into him and sup with him, fellowship with him, and he with me. But you invite me in. I acknowledge your authority. Now you have to choose to invite me in. And then you have to choose to make me Lord of your life. Because lordship is a term... We don't live under it. Lordship means I don't get to be an individual. I'm a servant to my Lord. And I live under Him. Amen? Bow your heads with me this morning. I've tried to move off of this message the last few weeks. And God just keeps me pressing into this. Only because, like Sister Khadijah said... That we're in a season when God is really separating and defining His church. And we're being pressed into situations where we have to know how to stand. And God wants us to stand with right hearts. 
with pure hands, clean hearts before him, so that we can stand in all the authority that he needs us to stand in. But I believe more than that, God wants us free from all the things that have hindered us in the past, from not seeing the full flow of his spirit flow through his church and touch our communities as he desires to. But it takes with each and every one of us. While we're standing this morning, you're just praying there for just a moment. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Pastor Don? I've thought a lot about God. I read my Bible, I do everything, but giving my whole life to Him, letting go, dying of my individuality, that's been hard for me to do. But today I know that's my answer. And I know I need, I need to give my life to Him. I need to affirm, to make a vow that I will live for Him for the rest of my life. And I will daily walk to affirm that vow to Him. I will daily choose to live for Him for the rest of my life. If you're here today and you need to make that choice, let me put it to you like this. Let me put you why the altar is so important. Let me put you why it's so important to step out and move towards God and to do it publicly. I've never been to a wedding where the bride stood up front and the groom sat in the back and never went to exchange vows with her and then left the building and thought they were married. The altar is the place where we come, just like in a wedding, where we give our vow to God. We say yes to God. So this morning, if that's you, and you know God's moving on your heart, the Holy Spirit's speaking in your heart, today's a day for you to affirm, my individual life is gone. I'm not going to allow the devil to use my life to slap the face of God and say, your son's death didn't matter. I'm here to die to myself today, to say yes to God, to allow my life to be led by His will, not mine for the rest of my life. If you need to make that decision today, then I challenge you to move right now towards God. Just move to this altar right now. Kneel and find a place of prayer right now. It's your life, your prayer, your moment. It's a day where you look at, just like I had December 13, 1978, I knelt and I gave my life to Christ. I didn't have somebody else pray a prayer. I was alone with God in the prayer room. But I feel like the Holy Spirit's moving on some heart. This is your day, November 21st, 2021. 2021, November 21st, you're giving your life to God. You're saying yes to God. Lord, I'm giving you my life. It's my life. Nobody can pray this prayer for me. Nobody can make this decision for me. I'm choosing to give my life to you and live for you the rest of my life. No reserves, no regrets, nothing held back, nothing allowed to be between. I'll let everything go to win you. As Paul said, I'm willing to count everything lost to win you. Maybe you're here today and you just need to reaffirm that. Maybe you've prayed this prayer, but you just need to reaffirm that today. Maybe you're like Paul and you, when he said daily, I, I die daily. Maybe this just a day. God's been pulling on you doing things, but you've been saying, I can't. I don't know how. And I has come up in the conversation. Maybe it's time to just let that I go right now and just say yes to God. If that's you, just move right now. Amen. Just move right now. Let God speak to you. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Rick. Just lead us in something.